The Football Pod on OTB Sports. Do you still listen to the Football Pod or is that like texting your ex? Absolutely. As I often said, I'm jealous that uh, I don't know who's so good, the little whore. <laughs> the Football Pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette, for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. And you are very welcome along to Wednesday night's Off The Ball. It's Richie McCormick here with you right through until 10pm tonight. Packed show on the way for you as well. Uh, Up tonight we will begin our look back, our look ahead, pardon me, to this weekend's All-Ireland Football Quarter Finals with a look back at the wild and woolly events of 2014 when Kerry met Mayo over two separate nights in the month of August firstly in Crow Park then down at the Gaelic Grounds in Limerick we will look in detail at both of those games we'll also have Vincent Hogan and Keane Foley joining us uh, to look back in the incredible life of Tom O'Reardon who passed away this week at the age of 84 an Irish Olympian multi-time Irish record holder and a journalist of 38 years standing with independent mm. newspapers covered every Olympics as well up until 2000 in Sydney and Deshaun Watson settled 20 cases of 24 of sexual harassment in the States this week and we'll ask what next for the Cleveland Browns quarterback with John Gonzalez you can tweet us at Off The Ball tonight you can text us at 53106 430 cents delighted to say joining us in studio a packed house tonight Amory Donlan from the news round Amory good evening to you and Michael McCarthy you're very welcome along as well hi folks uh, 2014 Mick like yeah. we were looking back on this outside in the office and we decided what better way to look ahead to Kerry and Mayo and to look back at what is essentially now a different era uh, it feels in football because when you put this to me earlier on I don't know it was yesterday actually we looked back in 2014 I was like 2014 it's not too soon it's mm. 8 years ago I felt the same and yeah. I was I was, I was, was had to convince myself that I wanted to, to go back into it but it does feel like a different era and there's a lot of the players still there you know like Paul Ganey is still there Paul Murphy is still there on the Kerry side a few more on the Mayo side there's a good few you know he's Aidan O'Shea Killian O'Connor Lee Keegan, uh, Lee Keegan of course like so, so in somewhat the spine of their team you know there's one or two uh, Rob Henley is still there as well so it's like there is a lot of uh it, there's a lot of similarities but in some ways they're just two completely different football teams now and a different era of football as you say yourself but what I liked about looking back on this today was obviously talking about in the show is great now but I love I love when you're when we're talking about these things and doing a bit of research and for something like this that kind of captures imagination it's always a case in the office where a head just pops up <laughs> at a certain point and has, a, has an anecdote or a memory about that specific thing that we're talking about. And these two games had so many strands that that was endless all day. So it was actually class because, again, it's almost still in a post-COVID world, guys, you know, where people are in the office and we're, you know, talking about these amazing sporting occasions again and I just I have to say I really enjoyed it yeah so, well I have to say obviously enough it's unusual for me regular listeners of the news round will know that I'm usually pontificating from my bedroom uh, <laughs> with a stack of dirty clothes behind well a clean clothes actually just not been stored away properly uh, behind me so it's kind of almost unusual to be able to have the chats again we're kind of back in the, the land of normality and being able to talk about things like 2014 and the madness of those two games things because like- they, they were mad yeah, things like eight-year-old football games that we you know, we get so we get way more worked up about than we do about the four amazing football games that we've got coming up this weekend. But well, I've got eight years to get warmed up about those, Mick. Exactly. Yeah. No, but I think that's that's actually the point. And look, we'll get into it with Owen later on, and we'll 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 talk about it in great detail. But how mad they were should not be uh, in any way underestimated. Your memory is not playing tricks on you. They were insane, hmm. and all the way through for maybe except for maybe the first half of the first game everything else about 
the entire game, second game, and extra time in the second game, and the week in between before, it, like you know, with it going to the Gaelic grounds, was actually just like insane. It was mania, I think, was the word I used. Yeah, especially with the with the whole thing of the American football landing in Crow Park in the middle of uh, the sharp end of a championship summer, uh, with uh, Penn State and the University of Central Florida coming to town, and the ructions that that caused with the thought that we'd have a replay here. Like, this is the thing when we, when you suggested Owen was going to be part of it, I was like, oh, well, Owen was like twelve when this happened, <laughs> but like now Owen was down at electric picnic, so I was, I'm almost afraid to ask Anne Marie about memories of this one because you're going to I was at the second game were you? yeah I was at the game down in Limerick and funny story I actually brought someone a friend of mine who's not into GAA at all and is his first ever game and I was like oh, they're not usually like this like you predict <laughs> a pretty good one like this was pretty eventful but it was like I know it might sound simplistic but it was just insane like mad like it was just it was so frantic from start to finish like do you remember the really good games between between Dublin and Mayo in Crow Park and there'd always be a point between them because they matched each other mm. and like they were really tense and it felt like every decision was so important and if you made a small error it could be massive it didn't feel like that down in Limerick because it was just so insane it was so nuts it was like what could go wrong next and even when Mayo led um, in extra time you felt like oh well there's still there's still another twist in this like mm. it just like it was just it was so insane and I remember distinctively as well coming away from Limerick that day thinking Mayo were so unlucky like nothing like that will ever happen again and then like so many more disasters happened to them but yeah like it's just I remember when we were doing the um moments of the decade I suggested that that should be in the list mm. I think it was Nathan that was like no um, maybe he has some PTSD <laughs> why, from why it or something that, I wonder, yeah. but um, because Mayo as well as the five in a row for Dublin obviously and the achievement but Mayo's um, attempt to win an All-Ireland and how they fell short defined that 10 year period between um, 2010 and 2020 and I think that night in Limerick when you look back on it was the most insane like you cannot fully explain what happened down there like even just like I remember James Horan came out after it and spoke about how the dressing room at half time was just nuts like there was no sense of getting any control on it like the doctor didn't know who to go to first for stitches O'Shea or O'Connor like yeah. like it, there's just stuff you like could not script it and it was mental and I remember Donaghy every time he got the ball like just the sense of panic like yeah. throughout the whole stadium after what he had done in the first game and it was just nuts yeah it was mental it was probably the craziest atmosphere in a GA game yeah, so I've it, ever been to it was palpable in the ground like, oh. so, so you're there as a somewhat neutral I get the impression yeah. you're the Galway <laughs> person who's leaning towards Mayo but uh it was you. You just couldn't. There was a franticness. I think was the word you used that, that kind of took over everybody in the ground, players well, and fans. Even walking into it because there was the whole um, thing with the American football, the build up the week beforehand, yeah. and Mayo fans as well, particularly disgruntled that a Kerry Mayo game was in Limerick because that felt like an advantage for Kerry. So it just none of it felt right walking into it. So you were like, this isn't going to be straightforward. Yeah, it was just a franticness to it all. Where were you in relation to Mayo Mick? Oh, on the same side, 
but like down towards the other end. So we were just looking down like, what's going on? It's like, ah, oh, here, like, no, like this can't be true. But um, yeah, I didn't get to see him in Supermax after. <laughs> he had a bit of an appearance in there, but I missed that. Apparently he was blessing people in, in, in Supermax afterwards. Anybody that got a Mighty Mac, I think he was, you know, <laughs> giving them his... Is this Supermax in Limerick? I can't think of one near the Gaelic grounds. I'd, if you were telling me Turles now, I'd know the exact Supermax. Well, it's on the way back from Limerick to Mayo. Heading so back up towards Shannon, like? Oh, yeah, on the Shannon. road, like? Yeah. Oh, okay. Presumes, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You get a bit of the road on the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, we've had one text <laughs> in from Shane and Cavan. This is the thing. This is how much it grip neutrals. Shane and Cavan saying, evening, lads, the replay weekend was surely uh, the two greatest All-Ireland semi-finals. Dublin, Donegal, uh, Mayo, Kerry. That's the thing. Dublin, Donegal, or sorry, Donegal and Dublin is like almost a footnote to, it, and it shouldn't be. because it's the bigger achievement. It, it, certainly feels like yeah. it but the bigger occasion was certainly Limerick, felt like yeah. uh, Kerry and, and Mayo and it almost feels like we've been robbed of that rivalry because it doesn't happen in an All-Ireland too much like clearly they're obviously going to be butting heads in Division 1 more often than not but in an All-Ireland sense I think it was like 2017 was the next time we got it and then 2019 it kind of that watching those two games back made me feel like I wanted more of that than probably what we've got in subsequent years these teams playing each other. Yeah. Well, we've got it this Sunday, and I don't think that there's that level of excitement for this because I don't think, like, it's funny, if every if, if Mayo win this Sunday, there's a clip from the football pod with Paddy and James that will be played over and over again. I'll probably be the one playing it here. <laughs> but it's like, do, Tommy's like, Kerry have a chance, or they may have a chance. They? No, 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 absolutely none whatsoever. And both of them double down. They were given three or four chances to kind of say maybe you're a could if this happened or whatever and they're just like no chance whatsoever and I think that's the feeling everybody has I think there's like we're used to Mayo miracles and them finding it where we don't think it's there yeah. but I feel like any logic in you thinks that even even for them it's going to be a step too far this when time. does logic but, ever apply to Mayo we don't know anything about Kerry because they haven't played anyone yet when does logic ever apply to Mayo it ever, never has, ever. but yeah. that's what I'm saying. That even with the the, the <laughs> even with the weight that you apply to <laughs> to Mayo when you're talking about logic, still some has to come in. Uh, five three one zero six. If you have any memories, if you were uh, much like Amory at the game yourself, uh, especially the replay down in Limerick, which you mentioned, like like teeming stands, like the place looked like it was packed to the rafters, and seemed like a better occasion for that I don't know if the match itself for all the scores was a better game than possibly what we got in the uh, in the second half of the Croke Park fixture uh, but if you were there let us know 53106 you can tweet us as well uh, at Off The Ball also on the way tonight as I mentioned uh, the passing this week of Tom O'Reardon uh, the father of, of Ian O'Reardon you might know from the Irish Times uh, just an incredible life um, we're going back over this and it's not necessarily uh, covered in the piece with Vince Hogan and Cleaner because he didn't necessarily talk about it himself but what a life the man had before he was ever uh, a full-time journalist um, got a scholarship in 1957 to go over to the University of Idaho now for those who don't know where Idaho is do you know where Washington and Oregon is in the northwest of the United States just east of that so if you imagine going from Art Fert in Kerry getting a scholarship to go to Idaho not necessarily like New York or California but Idaho and go there and study and then moving down to California representing Ireland at the 1964 Olympics uh, setting multiple Irish records multiple times a winner of the Irish Cross Country Championships competed in World Cross Country Championships managed the Irish World Cross Country team in 1979 and then parlayed all of that knowledge and all of that experience into a mighty career in journalism uh, which took him right up until the Olympics I guess uh, in 2000 in Sydney but just an incredible life and one 
packed to the gills and really well lived and some brilliant stories some really warm touching stories coming up from uh, Vincent Hogan and Cleana Foley about the great Tom O'Reardon uh, that's on the way for you a little bit later on and also coming up at half past seven uh, the latest on Deshaun Watson who settled 20 cases of 24 incidents of sexual harassment in the United States we'll ask uh, what is next for him the Cleveland Browns quarterback uh, with the ringers John Gonzalez but we better crack on with the news round which is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effort finish to your day uh, Anne-Marie big transfer news and one heading out of Liverpool Yeah Sadio Mane was officially unveiled as a Bayern Munich player this afternoon the 30 year old Senegal international has signed a three year deal with the Bundesliga champions the striker has cost them £35 million sterling Mane will be missed at Liverpool having been an integral part in their recent success scoring 120 goals since he arrived from Southampton back in 2016. He leaves with a Premier League, Champions League, FA Cup and League Cup medal. At his unveiling today, he explained that working with Bayern's head coach Julian Nagelsmann was a particularly attractive prospect. I'm really, really, really pleased, really happy to be uh, finally in Munich. The club was really interesting and uh, finally I'm here, really happy and I'm very looking forward for the new challenge. We spoke a lot and yeah, I was really, really happy and really pleased with the project. And of course, I didn't think twice and just accept to, to come to Munich. It's the right time and the right club and uh, of course the right uh, coach. And then I don't hesitate twice to, to decide to come here. The interesting background to that particular clip. There there's some Manny. slow jams music going on in the background and then there's like an ambulance alarm, <laughs> uh, which is a nice <laughs> counterpoint to the slow jams. This, I don't want to say end of an era because that'd be silly. Um, but it does feel like the drawing of a line in terms of Liverpool and how they're going to approach things from here on in with Mane going such a consistent performer over the last six years like you'd have to say be one of their greatest signings ever just in terms of his level of consistency a constant level of performance and the fact that Darwin Nunez signed as a replacement seems like a much different player yeah. So mm. how they recalibrate that attack going forward is going to be really interesting going into next season. And if it's something they're able to do, because it's not often you see teams recalibrating an attack, but that feels like what Klopp and Core are doing. And don't forget that we're probably looking at another one year at this stage. It's looking more and more likely another one year of Mo Salah. So, you know, is this all part of a master plan of Reba, of trying to not have... like? trying to have a more seamless end of an era and already have started on the new era and you look at the success of Diaz, you look at the success of Jada, you know, there's a feeling that Nunes could follow those those paths in, in even in a better way. Like, I mean, this guy is uh, like more widely touted than either of those two were before they signed. It's an interesting one and to see. And have one more year of Salah as Nunes is settling in. They buy someone next summer and suddenly it's a whole new front tree without us ever even realising it. It does feel as well, though, like he could be tweaking the system. Like Mane was so integral to the press, more so <laughs> than Salah. And will Nunes be more of a target man, like an out and out striker? He would figure they need to maybe change around their midfield a little bit as well because that looked like it needed more legs towards the end of last season. Thiago's not, you're not going to get a full 60 odd games out of him a season. Well, there's suggestions as well that Trent Alexander Arnold could be seen in midfield next season. Good Lord. That I'm just, be, yeah. like, we've been hearing that for a while. Yeah. It's hard to know. Like, I do think you make a good point, though, Amory, about like the change of system. And it's like Jurgen Klopp, if Jurgen Klopp is the manager we think he is, one of the two best managers in the world, he is going to see a need for a change of style before we do. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, like football evolves all the time and it's in these almost like pods of three, four, five years and the the, the peps and the clops are usually ahead of that. He's not going to play the same high intensity, high press football for yeah. the rest of his career. Um, and maybe it's maybe we're going to see a change sooner rather than later. They've got Fabio Carvalho, who I think has gone under the radar a little bit in terms of coming in and offering something yeah. um, a little bit different. He looked incredible for Fulham and the bits and pieces I've seen him. But in terms of bodies, like they've lost Origi. Uh, he's gone off on a free transfer, seemingly to AC Milan. Takumi Minamino has gone off to Monaco. Just in terms of bodies, do they have enough people there for next season, do you think, Mick? Yeah, I, well, it's hard to know. And also the summer is far from done yet. As well, but they've, they've, they've brought in, as you said, two players. They've probably let go three in terms mm. of the forwards at, the, at this stage. Would it surprise you that somebody comes through into the first team or, or they sign somebody else in the meantime? A lot of people said the, the depth of the squad wasn't deep enough yeah. last September when the transfer window closed and then they contested all four competitions. Yeah, yeah, but they looked tired at the end. I yeah, just, no, I I know, just I don't think it's up front where they had those issues as well. I think it's possibly in midfield obviously we've seen it in defence the season before last mm. um, and that might not like you know that's probably less of an issue now but I, I think you're right much as you said originally is I do think a, a big midfielder is probably the, the, the signing they have to go this summer but yeah look I, I mean it's interesting times because Mane is such an integral part so of good. Yeah. everything they did well like everything they did well and it's, it's going to be weird him having not, not having him in that Liverpool team it's like somebody's missing so yeah. he left, where did he go? Uh, we didn't even get to go to the leaving party. Um, plenty of golf news around as well today, Amory. Yeah, and the RNA will allow golfers who have signed up to the Live Series compete at the 150th Open Championship, which takes place next month. The decision to allow those already qualified or exempt means that Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau and Phil Mickelson will all be allowed to play at St Andrews. The RNA has followed suit with the USGA, who followed who allowed qualified live golfers to compete at last week's US Open. The PGA Tour meanwhile decided to ban those involved in the Saudi-backed breakaway tour and they've announced today plans to increase cash prizes at several marquee events and revamp its schedule to dissuade players from joining the breakaway league. Speaking today, four-time major winner Rory McIlroy once again voiced his frustration at players signing up to live. They, they say one thing and then they do another. I don't understand that, and I don't know if that's for legal reasons or if they can't. I, I have no idea, but um, it's pretty duplicitous on, on their part to say one thing and then do another thing. The whole way through, in public and private, all of it. And then, and then secondly, as the tour moves toward eight or so tournaments of, of really spiked purses and, and what have you, is there any fear of minimizing other tournaments like, like this one or the rest across the schedule. How do you balance that? I don't that? think so because I think certain guys always have their certain guys always have their tournaments that they like to play. Um, I think this tournament's looked after the guys really well over the last few years and um, it's done a good job to make them feel really welcome in Hartford and, and do everything they can to get the you know get the top players to, to play in this event. Um, Look, there's obviously going to be some elevated events coming up here, and um, I think that's important. I think it's important for the future of the tour, and it's important for um, where we are right now. Um, but I don't think it'll minimize any other tournaments. You're going to have tournaments that guys love to play, and they're going to come back and keep playing them. Of the break.
Wow. Yeah, so McElroy was at a press conference. It's <laughs> really disrespectful. I, I, know, I, know Rory's, I know Rory's. I didn't realize it would be so America noticeable. And he's got citizenship now and all, but I didn't think he had, every word he spoke had to be accompanied <laughs> by the American national anthem. I think that's a bit extreme, Rory. I mean, like, Such come a shill. On. You're still you're still Northern Irish, like. <laughs> that was it's been quite incredible for uh, for clips so far this evening. <laughs> What's in the next? That's, one? that's the only two clips. I didn't think the second would be as noticeable as that. It's like he's standing Apologies. at the back of the room. It's like he's serenading Rory as he's opining on the Liverpool Rory's tour. Rory's doing his interview before the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> like were the journalists who were listening to Rory standing at the same time? That's what the I The only know. person in shot when the clip I clipped was McElroy and that was in the background <laughs> and I didn't realise it would be as noticeable. Uh, that's quite beautiful. It is. I hope people were listening to what McElroy was saying. Didn't I catch a word of it. I wasn't. Didn't catch a word of it. I'm sure he's, he's probably annoyed at Live Golf or something like that. Um, like it is interesting Jay Monaghan coming out today obviously offering extra prize money um, for these tournaments they're kind of recalibrating their tour a little bit as well you know what uh, offering increased prize money when you're going up against Live Golf reminds me of you know when there's like a crisis mm. like possibly is happening right now in our lives and government ministers go on the radio and say we are proposing social welfare increases and you're like oh that's a good idea that's it people will get an extra one euro fifty a week it's <laughs> <laughs> like feel that in their pocket that's what this feels like. It you know what does. I mean? It's like it's got to cost them a fortune to increase this prize money, and it's going to have absolutely no difference whatsoever because it's still going to be a drop in the ocean compared to, um, to compared to what Live Golf are going to offer. But you know, I suppose they have to do something. Yeah, interesting quotes from um, from Jay Monaghan, the PGA Tour uh, commissioner, essentially saying he they can't compete essentially with a foreign monarchy that is spending billions of dollars, is what he said today. Uh, but also, he was asked by Jason Sobel about the eight tournaments receiving increased purse sizes where did the money come from asked so well if it was available why wasn't it offered previously and is it a direct response to live uh, Monaghan says it's been in the works for a while and it's not a direct response to live yeah. uh, what was a direct response though was that during I think two minutes into Monaghan's press conference this evening Live Golf announced that Brooks Kepka had officially signed on to be their next entrance so that's the world number 19 is going to be in Portland next week for the uh, the next installment of the Live Golf um, the, I'm kind of I don't know I I don't know what to make of this anymore like it's it's a, not a lesser caliber of golfer but it's the big names but what like what does the live golf tour mean apart from just loads of money See, this is what I was saying we were talking about this with Joe last night like for me at some point viewers they may want to watch these interesting characters and they are they are signing up the more interesting players let's face it but until they are in a like I don't want to watch exhibition golf. Yeah. I want to watch people in, in, in a competition to see who's the best. And it doesn't feel like Liv is like that. But in all fairness, and <laughs> fairness, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's not going to make me support it or anything. But in all fairness, they've had only one tournament. It was confusing and strange and didn't feel like competition was at the heart of it. Mm-hmm. That might not last forever. They could settle down into being an interesting tour and we could have two kind of head-to-head tours and they meet in the majors. And there might be something interesting at that while still morally bankrupt and disgusting you know but at this stage it doesn't even feel like it's that and also if you're being paid so much money as you know as a fee for turning up there's no stakes essentially because what what are you playing for because golf is built on prize money so i mean the prize money is surely a drop in the ocean compared to the salary 
that these guys are getting or the, the fee that they're getting to, to exclusively play for Liv. Uh, some more potential names to sign up for Liv are coming to town, Emery. Yeah, it's been confirmed that Cameron Smith, Xander Schufle and Hollywood actor Bill Murray will play at next month's JP McManus Can I, can I interrupt Pro-Am? here to just say that during the Roy McIlroy clip I read the head here and was absolutely astonished <laughs> to see that uh, not only Cameron Smith, Xander Schufle and uh, had signed up and uh, had signed up for Liv Golf but that so had Bill Murray. <laughs> I completely got the wrong end of the stick there. That would be quite a get, to be fair. Yeah. And I think that might convince me. I think I might start watching that. Watch yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, but yeah, that's why he's been in art. And he isn't, he's obviously knocking around. If you have any Bill Murray sightings, let us know, 5306. Yeah, he was this, at the hurling. Are they, they must yeah. be friendly. Oh, they are, yeah. Yeah, oh, right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is an unbelievable lineup, by the way. The pro the pro JP's Pro-Am is the best golf tournament in the world. There's a definite case to be made there. There is a definite case to be made there. Uh, who else have we got, Anne-Marie? Um, that means that 10 now of the world's top 11 ranked golfers are confirmed for the sold-out event with the field now complete. Matt Fitzpatrick, Scotty Scheffler, Justin Thomas, Tiger Woods and Colin Marikawa will also take part. As well as these Irish stars, Padraig Harrington, Paul McGinley, Rory McIlroy and Shane Lowry will also feature. That's an obscene lineup. I told you. That's an obscene lot. You throw in the likes of Bill. Who were the other celebs apart from Bill Murray, Joe Malloy and Nathan Murphy? I asked Joe genuinely seriously had they been invited down and I think he was a bit insulted. I, do, I don't want to talk out of school. They are so gamming for an invite to this I thing. I presumed they would life. be and he was like, no, and I got the impression he didn't want to talk about it. Don't forget to subscribe to Golf Weekly, etc, etc, etc. Huge signing out West for Sligo. Sligo Rovers manager John Russell says he believes their supporters will enjoy watching exciting new signing Frank Levac. The attacking midfielder has been capped 24 times for Estonia and makes the switch to the showgrounds from Levadia Tallinn. Levac could make his debut at home against Shelburne on the 2nd of July and most importantly yeah. he's free to play in Europe. Yeah, wasn't playing for Levadia in the preliminary round of the Champions League uh, yesterday so obviously he's going to be free to play uh, for them. Uh, more machinations in Chelsea. Yeah, new Chelsea co-owner Todd Bowley will act as interim sporting director to handle the club's summer transfer dealings. He's also be confirmed as the Premier League club's new chairman, replacing Bruce Buck. And Romelu Lukaku is returning to Inter Milan just 10 months since leaving the San Siro. The Belgian striker is set to join, join on loan from Chelsea for a fee of just under £7 million. He left Inter last season to rejoin the London club for 97 0.5 million. Uh, Lukaku That's apparently bad business. Lukaku in tears <laughs> apparently. Lukaku in tears that he's getting to go back to Inter. He's delighted I'm, with it. I'm sorry, Romelu Lukaku has one of the weirdest careers. We're going to look back on that in eight years, considering that's that's our that's our <laughs> our uh, biting point here at the moment. But like he was, there was a time last summer when Chelsea signed him that I thought like Romelu Lukaku is the best striker in the world. He's like unplayable. He'll run I don't know shot how you could possibly yeah. defend against this guy. And then he comes and does nothing for a year. And he'll go back and he'll score 30 goals for Inter, win them the Champions League, be signed by Liverpool or someone, be a flop again. It's like, If you've been an amazing striker in Serie A, don't move to Chelsea. That seems to be the historical <laughs> note. Lukaku, obviously amazing in, in Italy. And he was, to be fair, for Everton yeah. in West Brom. Shevchenko. Um, Shevchenko. Ernan Crespo. Yeah. Should have been one of the greatest Premier League players of all time and just yeah. was a complete shadow of himself, you know? Got injured. He started off with like about five goals in six games or something like that. But Andrew's yeah. after pointing out Gonzalo Higuain. 
is another oh, one yeah, as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, very good. Don't, yeah, don't move to Chelsea, kids. Um, and more big news from uh, from Claire. Uh, Mick has been keeping an eye on this one for us, Anne-Marie. That's right. Pat Fitzgerald announced today that he will step down from his role as Claire GAA Secretary next month. Fitzgerald has been involved with the banner for the last 32 years. In a statement today, he said he enjoyed the role immensely and wished all the county's teams well on uh, are well on and off the field going forward. Yeah, Claire, in uh, an all Ireland semi-final, uh, talk of civil war has quelled immensely yeah. over the past 12 months and Pat Fitzgerald is walking away after 32 years. Like It's been a hell of a ride, let's put it that way, for the last three decades plus. It has. You have to say a lot of positive things about yeah. what's happened under Pat Fitzgerald from the footballers winning the uh, you know, does that is that in the 32 years? I'm not even sure. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It would have been 1990, yeah. So, like, from the footballers winning Munster to you know, the the, the Sherlock Nan revolution years, two, three All-Irelands in that time, obviously. Um, and now back kind of in a strong position again. Obviously, there was a lot of stuff in the last couple of years uh, kind of falling out with Brian Lowe and Claire seemingly, you know, falling behind the times a little bit. And, you know, the, the accusations that like grounds and training areas had fallen into disrepair and maybe the money wasn't being uh, raised in the right way. And, you know, there was a lot of... Um, there was a lot of upset and there was a lot of anger towards Pat Fitzgerald for the last couple of years. And to be honest, in the last 12 months, that has quelled. And, you know, every, there, was a, there was an image of, uh, you know, um, Brian Lowen and Pat Fitzgerald hugging after one of the games early in the championship. I, I remember Anthony Daly was astonished at seeing it, you know, and maybe, maybe things move on over time. And, you know, I think ultimately people will look back at Pat Fitzgerald as an unbelievable tenure as running a county like Claire for 32 years in without any shadow of a doubt the most successful time in the county's history yeah it's been quite something Amri uh, thank you so much thank for the you. news round uh, Mick as well a few texts in obviously on Mayo versus Kerry um, hey lads was at both matches the second day was nuts had two kids with me and they couldn't get their heads around it I got so excited near the finish that I accidentally hit a man on the head <laughs> twice with the programme <laughs> stayed for a while afterwards I met the team on the bus and they were still buzzing as well we'll never forget it that's from James and Kerry and uh, Albert and Temple Oak um, pretty much sums things up from a Mayo perspective saying such is Mayo's luck this Sunday they could be winning by seven points going into the last minute of an all Ireland final a tsunami ri- would rise from the Royal Canal and cause the match to be abandoned Albert and Temple Oak thank you very much for your text keep them coming Fire through 106 busy show on the way uh, we will be looking back on 2014 and all that as well uh, we'll be looking back on the great life as well of Tom O'Reardon with uh, Vincent Hogan and Cleena Foley and up after uh, the next ad break we'll be talking to Sean Watson but first time to give away some cash <laughs> 